The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back, folks, here on Big Blue Views Audio Lineup. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Fum and Nick Filato, who is back after his move. We're here breaking down the Giants' second preseason game against the Cleveland Browns, a 17-13 loss. We took some time to look back at the film, rewatch some things, and now we've got some takeaways on these backups, who might be a winner, who might be a loser, as well as some other additional thoughts that we learned about this Giants team heading into what is now going to be the final week of the preseason. And soon, before we know it, folks, it is going to be the start of the NFL season. Make sure you subscribe if you want to stay up to date on all of our episodes and leave us a five-star review if you enjoy listening. So, guys, this was a really interesting game because we were talking about leading up to it, and we've basically mentioned this a number of times, that we were expecting to see maybe some of the starters. We saw some other teams do that. You saw some starting quarterbacks get some playing time and and get situated and get comfortable before being pulled. But this second game, neither team played really any of their starters. The only guys that were really thrown out there were maybe rookies that are going to get significant playing time on both sides. But overall, what we were exposed to was significantly a backup-based game. And it's almost as if this was the final curtain call for a lot of backup players. So a lot of what we're talking about here are guys that maybe earned themselves a spot on this roster or others that might have straight up just played themselves off this team and are going to be in a really difficult spot come the next cutdown. So getting to first, let's go to the offensive side of the ball. I think one thing that we need to lead into, and it's something that we're going to talk about, I think, until this roster is finalized, is the battle for the back end of the receiver room. There's a lot of names in there. There's a lot of recognizable names, but it seems like the three that keep getting brought up are Dante Pettis, there's CJ Board, and there's also David Sills. And we saw some mixed things from from that whole group there. Not a lot of CJ Board, but a significant amount of snaps for Pettis and Sills, which you can read into that either way. Maybe them getting a lot of reps is their last chance to prove themselves, or they just want to be able to see what they are fully capable of. The way I look at this receiver position, David Sills has been that slow, steady drumbeat since the beginning of training camp. He's the one that kind of jumps out to you 
from the sense of, okay, this guy has really performed all the buzz is surrounding this individual, but what does he provide outside of playing receiver? And that is the big question mark. He had seven snaps on special teams because they wanted to kind of get a look at him as a gunner and they wanted to see how he was on kick return as well. I mean, I think he could be fine on kick return, but that gunner position is incredibly valuable. If you're going to be a gunner that's on punt team, you're going down there to try to pin the uh, receiving team between the 20-yard line. We saw Matt Cole do it against the Jets in an exceptional manner. The Giants uh, acquired Keon Croson from the Texans, and he's an expert in that field. And then you have C.J. Board, who played really well in that role last year during 2020. And you look at C.J. Board, David Sills, you say, okay, David Sills probably adds more value as a wide receiver. But does that value as what the fourth, fifth wide receiver supersede something that CJ Board can do better on special teams? And I'm not 100% certain it does. And that leads me to believe that CJ Board may have an edge to crack this roster if he can prove to be one of those two gunners next to Croson. But the interesting thing is Cam Brown actually stepped in and played some gunner la- uh, last yesterday, Sunday during the game. And he had like two tackles on special teams. And it's just one of those things where you're like, this guy, Cam Brown, played 13 total special team snaps. He's somebody who can do so many different things for you on special teams. If he can even prove to be a gunner as a linebacker, which is just insane to think about, then with CJ Board's presence even necessary. And then David Sills could possibly earn the roster. I feel like there's a lot of moving parts to this because you also look at the Giants starting receivers right now. Kadarius Toney, injured. Kenny Galladay, injured. Do the Giants look at David Sills and say, this guy's capable to step in and provide some value as a receiver if those guys' rehabs are a little bit slow to come back? I think it's a really interesting conversation. I'm not 100% certain which one would crack it, but whoever provides the most special teams value is going to have the best chance to make the roster between Dante Pettis, David Sills, and CJ Board. Yeah, I look at the snap counts, and we saw the guys who were pretty sure going to be you know, real, if not starters, then impact role players they were on the field and off the field by basically the second drive for each team you know the starters on defense they basically were off the field by the browns second drive the guys we think are going to be big role players uh like Devonte booker for the giants offense they were off the field by the giants second drive so you know i i think the fact that cj board only got like what 16 offensive snaps. I think that does kind of bode well for him at with his position inside of this wide receiving depth chart. But I, I think the battle is with Pettis and Stills. They Pettis, uh, yes, Pettis got, I think, 36, 38 snaps on offense. Sills got 40 plus those special team snaps. We know what Pettis brings as a, as a punt returner based on what he did in college. So that does have value. We haven't seen John Ross out there at all. So, you know, could it be that, you know, just you can't make the squad from the trainer's table, you know, have these guys already passed John Ross and Pettis and Sills are battling out for the sixth receiver spot, in which case, you know, Sills does give a legitimate backup to Kenny Galladay as the only other guy out there who is even close to Galladay's size. 
you know, that big body, that big frame, that X receiver position, we know how important that is within Jason Garrett's offense. And he does have that size. He's about like what, 6'4, 6'5, 215 pounds, does great adjusting his body in the air, contested catch situations, does a really good job coming down with those footballs. And that's very, very valuable to Daniel Jones' skill set as well, something we saw in 2019 and what Jason Garrett wants to do in those isolation routes on the on the uh, boundary, just one-on-one matchups. David Sills does good in that. Now, will he do well in that against actual number one cornerbacks? I think that's a fair uh, a set or a fair statement to kind of ask, to be honest, because we've seen him doing this against like second and third teamers, and he's doing well in that. He did it in the first game, did it in the second game, but again, I think it's all going to come down to who provides more special teams value. Right. We, you know, we're we're seeing all this this you know this effort to get all these backup receivers in and. Various guys are, are the ones impressing, and David Sills just seems to be a name that keeps getting brought up because he, he makes some pretty good plays. It, here and there, he, he's not like he's having like a 10-reception, 100-yard game, but he'll have like a touchdown. The first game, he had a couple of good grabs that caught our attention. And I think the other thing that's really catching our attention is the performance of these backup offensive linemen. So we were really exposed to these backup linemen in this second game. The first game they played around half of the game, maybe a little bit more, and we were pretty utterly disappointed. We in our post-game show talked about the offensive line because the backups played pretty much the entirety of the game, and what we spoke on is they played better. Now, they weren't perfect. Some guys did a lot better than others, but they did start to show some signs of improvement. Maybe there's a little bit more cohesion, but I think that you know some of the guys that stand out the most, Jonathan Harrison had a pretty good game. I think that maybe we have a better understanding of who's going to be that backup center and who's basically solidified that spot. Do we think it's Harrison? As the backup center, I would say uh, more than likely, yes. I mean, he's somebody who wasn't great with the New York Jets, but he came in here and, I mean, look, the first game, the Jets against the Jets, it it was not good. (laughs) The offensive line, the backup offensive line, it was really horrendous. It seemed like they were much better against the Browns. And Is that a product of it being Jonathan Harrison? Is it a product of the Browns' second team? I'm not really 100% certain, but the Giants' offensive line looked a lot better yesterday than they did in week one. Yeah, I, say, I, I thought they they de- definitely executed better. You know, the problems we saw week one were still there, but they didn't crop up nearly as often. There were still guys, you know, letting their hands get low, letting them get wide, some lunging, grabbing, popping up, losing leverage. That happens. But we did see a lot better execution, and we saw it, saw it a lot more consistently than we did in week one. Now, I'm right there unless a, somebody – who is who makes a legitimate upgrade at the backup center spot maybe even is good enough to push Nick Gates comes along Harrison probably does have that position locked up I believe Harrison played every single snap against the Browns uh he and Jackson Barton I believe both played all 63 of the Giants offensive snaps which yeah, that, that's impressive for a preseason game. And I think that means the team definitely wants to get a good long look at these guys. Yeah, 100% agree. It's It does speak to the level of concern that I had about this offensive line because we're looking at these five starters and we're like, none of these guys can really get injured, to be honest. I think Jonathan Harrison could be a solid type of uh, a backup, but a lot of these other guys I don't want to see out there on Sunday. 
But these five starters, none of them are proven either. I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm high on Andrew Thomas. Don't get me wrong. I think he's going to be a good player in the NFL. But to say that he's proven it at a consistent level in the NFL would be a bit of a stretch right now. That just speaks to the level of concern that we have about this offensive line. I think Will Hernandez is somebody that I'm, I'm cautiously excited about. But, I mean, he's let us down before in the past when he was drafted in the top 35. And he hasn't necessarily played to that. Now he's switching to the right guard. And we're relying on those five guys to stay healthy. Yet those five guys do not provide that sense of um, safety that I think we all really want for a playoff, for a hopeful playoff bound team. So that's just something that uh, definitely will be in the back of my mind as this season uh, winds down. And I think that's something too, that's super odd because we were, again, we were talking about leading up to the week that we thought we'd maybe like see like a, a quarter and a half of the starters because they would want to continue to build on some of the you know the cohesiveness, the playing together in game situations. Maybe they felt like they got enough of that during the inter-squad practicing against the Browns. I'm not sure what the philosophy was there for that decision to not play any of them. But I, I think uh, just a final takeaway for, for the offensive line, I felt as though the tackles were playing well in this game, which was uh, Chad Slade and then uh, also Jackson Burton. Not perfect, but they did decently well. But the bigger question marks come from the interior guys, um, who, again, Kenny Wiggins, super, super inconsistent. And then um, I'm blanking on the other guy who was the, the other in guard. Oh, Ted Larson, who's listed right here, uh, who got a significant number of sacks, but, uh, snaps. rather. <laughs> both of them, I mean, they might have also allowed some sacks, but both of them, I, I feel like that's a big problem where the starters we're really unsure of, and we don't really know what to expect if they're going to be good this season. And then on top of that, as you're talking about, these backups are bad. I don't want to see them having to go in a game. They might be going and claiming somebody off of waivers uh, come the end of training camp. I would not be shocked at all if they did. And uh, Chris, do you want to uh, we could dive into like, Jason Garrett's scheme a little bit? I didn't expect a lot of difference from what we saw in 2020. I felt like a lot of it was the same. There was 12, 13 personnel packages, double Y sets, using jet sweep, a lot of spacing search concepts, slant flat, inside zone, that GH counter. I think we saw a couple times as well. And uh, I mean, it's it seemed a lot similar to what we saw in 2020. Yeah, I definitely noticed that, especially I noticed the like the play action boots, rollouts, things like that, the split zone counter runs. You know, I thought they executed executed running between the tackles really well in this game, which uh, you'd really want to see from the starting offensive line. But I think the fact that they did it well with the backup offensive line really signals the fact that this is going to be the foundation of their running game this year. You know, if they're drilling everybody on these concepts, that means they plan on using them and they want to make sure anybody who could possibly be in the game is going to have these concepts and these plays down cold. That I think that the fact that they executed them well bodes well. Yeah. I loved the way Devonte Booker and Corey Clement both ran between the tackles wasted no time behind the line of scrimmage, set up their blocks well, just exploded through the hole, good contact balance, good vision, all of that. I said, uh, yeah, Devontae Booker, man, six carries, 27 yards, and a touchdown on that second drive, a really nice drive. And there was a point in this game where Mike Glennon was like nine of his last 10, like towards Mm -hmm. the first half. He was really in a groove, finding Dante Pettis, finding Rice and John up the seam. That was a really nice play. Rice and John is another offensive player that stuck out to me, but he ended up getting injured with about 14 seconds left in the game. Let's hope it's not (laughs) – 
anything too serious because, and I know, you know, you're, you're playing defenses that are soft, usually too high, soft zone shell kind of defenses. So that seem might be a little bit more open than it will be in the regular season. But I, I got to tell you, man, Rice and John look gigantic out there. And I think mm. for a second, maybe we should talk about this tight end position before we move on to the defense, just because when the Giants lost Levine Toy Lolo, who played like 26% of the snaps last year for the Giants, or maybe even a little bit more. And now you have Cole Hickatini, who got hurt against the Jets. You have Rice and John get hurt against the Browns. And you're looking at this tight end position. Kyle Rudolph should be coming off the pup soon, hopefully. That's the word right now. And then you have Evan Ingram. It's like, we know how much Jason Garrett loves running 12, 13 personnel. I'm not sure if they're going to really be just comfortable with guys like Nakia uh, Griffin Stewart, who I did call Stewart Griffin, I think, on another podcast. And that's hilarious <laughs> for me. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, tight end is another low-key position the Giants may be looking to add once more cuts happen. And I think that Caden Smith got 15 snaps in this game is pretty telling that that third spot is pretty locked up for him. I don't think Absolutely. we were – yeah, I don't think we were too concerned with, with anything really happening with him there. But like you said, like Rice and John – could have really fought his way into being, uh, you know, a hybrid offensive weapon type player that just sticks around the, on the team because they want to find a way to get him into the mix. And four tight ends is a lot. It's not really typical, but maybe if they were so impressed, which I think we can agree that we were all pretty impressed. But now that he's hurt, you can't really commit to him being available. We don't know how long he might be out for. This could be a long-term injury this could be just a short bang up the rest of these guys I don't really know how much you can really be sold on I mean like Houseman played 19 snaps he looked decent I just don't think any of those other guys like you said Nick I, they, they might have to go out and sign somebody if they do want to commit to bringing and holding on to a, a, a fourth tight end I think they should just go out and get Kelvin Benjamin I mean that guy seems He's, he's definitely got the size. He's definitely got the size and the weight. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I actually don't think four tight ends is too many. If the Giants commit to using the tight ends as, we'll say, a, a non-traditional offensive weapon. If you use Rice and John as that move hybrid tight end, no, you do not want him in line as a blocker. Like, we, we knew that coming in and we definitely know that now. But... On that CJ board and around the Giants used to open up the game, uh, I actually did not hate the blocking Rice and John did on the perimeter. Like he is big enough where he can at least get in the way of defensive backs, and they just can't get around him, even if he isn't locking in a you know picture perfect form block. And I think that's also to a lesser extent the same way you need to think about Evan Ingram, where you know he's got the size, he's got absurd athleticism, and he is, I think he's a better blocker than a lot of people give him credit for as long as you put him in position to succeed. Like you definitely don't want Evan Ingram blocking Miles Garrett or Chase Young or Montez Sweat or really any other even average to good NFL edge player. But if you can get him matched up on maybe a Will linebacker or a safety or definitely a cornerback he is going to win that going to win that battle but by the same token any of those guys are going to struggle to keep up with him in coverage and then you know we also i think need to talk a little bit about elijah penny he had six snaps on offense on three of them he wound up carrying the ball either as a receiver or as a runner and he picked up some pretty good yardage doing that maybe the giants are looking around the league looking and seeing how 
the the 49ers use juice check god justic or looking and seeing at how some of these teams that live in 12 personnel are using their tight ends as almost pseudo receivers and you know maybe they could incorporate some of that Chris, yeah. I, I love how I don't mean to cut you off, Nick. I'll give you a sec. I love how you pronounced Yuschek's names correctly, and then <laughs> took the opportunity to then mispronounce it, and then just moved on. But yeah, <laughs> it's a hard name to pronounce. I'll give you that. You, you got it right though the okay. first time. It's Kyle Yuschek. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Elijah Penny. I mean, we saw him last year be that uh, H back on that counter run that that you guys mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I love to talk about so much. But we saw uh, we saw Penny be used in that role, the Keaton Smith role. So, I mean, he can wear a lot of hats. He's valuable to the special teams. But one player, Colin uh, Gillespie, he only played one snap on the offense. I know he played a lot of special team snaps, but I don't know why he only played one snap and maybe why the giant, maybe just because the game was really closed didn't want to use a lot of two running back sets. But I would like to see maybe a little bit more of him just to see if he even has a chance to overtake Elijah Penny for that fullback kind of role. I don't, I'm not 100% certain if he does at this point. Coming up, we're going to talk about some of these defensive players, very different mix of guys that were thrown out there and put into some interesting spots, some surprise poor performers, some interesting names that you might not have even considered. Coming up very soon after we take a really quick commercial break. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Defensively, it was a bit of a mixed bag in terms of who was on the field. We saw like a tiny bit of Xavier McKinney. We saw a tiny bit of Darnay Holmes, and maybe that was just based on who was available and depth. They just needed to line those guys up for a little bit. They just wanted to get them some reps to the younger guys on this defense. But if we're talking about some top performers, some guys that really shined in some spots where they kind of needed to if they wanted to fight to make it and stay on this roster. First one, O'Shane Zimenez made a lot of good plays. 
I, I don't know if necessarily you can say that he earned himself a roster spot in this game, but I think Zimenez is starting to prove that, hey, when this guy's healthy, he can be disruptive and he can be one of the better rotational pass rushers on this roster. Yeah, I think the key word there is pass rusher, and he definitely impressed. He had five pressures in the game, had that one sack on the first drive. Speaking of that first drive, which was just amazing by Kevin Stefanski. That's how you really call plays off of each other, and just, just he absolutely manipulated the second team Giants defense, it seemed like. But uh, on that same drive, Ocean Zimenez was tasked to be the uh, contained defender on the outside, and he just kind of got washed down the line of scrimmage, ended up on the ground. So that's still a concern for me for O'Shane Zimenez, his ability to hold up against the run, which is a vital part of what Patrick Graham wants to do. So I think he definitely did good things on tape in, uh, in terms of rushing the passer. We saw that uh, a couple different times in this game, but he still needs to be better against the run. Yeah, I agree. Right right now, I would almost look at O'Shane Zimenez as maybe that nickel pass rusher a guy giants bring on when they're in a four two five type alignment just because to me he just looked a little bit more comfortable as a hand in the dirt defensive end yeah he moved well enough as a stand-up pass rusher but i i thought his just leverage quickness off the ball was a little bit better with his hand in the uh dirt or kind of fake dirt like substance whatever they use in cleveland and yeah, and you talk about the contain and just the the way the Browns moved the ball, especially on that first series. I would actually say the first two series. And you know, Joe and I talked about it in our quick reaction podcast last night. The Giants need to work on their tackling. You know, this has been two games in a row where there have just been way too many missed tackles, too many arm tackles, too many attempts at a lunge where the defender just kind of whiffs and given up way too many yards after contact. I mean, I liked Joe Kelly coming out of Tennessee, but damn. Yeah, he's yeah, he was a stud coming out of Tennessee. The Giants had 17 missed tackles in this game, and that's Ooh. not anything that we saw from the obviously first team, but still the Giants – Second team is going up against the Browns' second team. So you think that would somewhat balance out. But there were way too many missed tackles. He had Devontae Downs had two. Sam Beal, who had a horrendous game, had three <laughs> missed tackles. You also had David Moa had two missed tackles accredited from uh, pro football focus. I'd like to kind of see those on tape. Trent Harris had a couple. So that, that is not something that I feel like is consistent with what Patrick Graham has instilled in the first team Giants defense. Still, man, that's just undisciplined football. And you saw it on a couple of those long runs by like Dearness Johnson. It's just like, why are guys just falling over, just not executing good technique? It was kind of uh, hard to watch. It, it really was. And, I, and I'm glad you brought up discipline because that, that was the word that kind of jumped out to me, especially watching the Giants defense when the Browns would execute some kind of misdirection, uh, sending a, a receiver in motion or having play action, you know, the Giants defense would bite hard on that. And that that would have them just completely out of position to make a play on the ball. And what could have been a three or four yard gain turns into a 10 or 12 yard gain. You know, those first two drives, it seems like the only times the Browns weren't getting 10 yards a pop was if they screwed something up. 
It's what it seemed like. I mean, Ryan Anderson, like somebody who usually from my tape study from Alabama and even a little bit in Washington was a disciplined run defender. And he bit so many times he was out of position, lost contain. I was actually kind of surprised about how poor he was on a lot of those types of reps. Number 46 out there played 36 total snaps. You know, you have to get your our eyes. We have to get our eyes on a lot of these edge defenders because for once the Giants actually have some quality edge defenders, I would say they're might be one or two that get released and you're going to be like, oh, okay, that guy's probably going to get scooped up by another team. We haven't said that in a while about the New York Giants. I don't think Ryan Anderson did too well for himself. Sam Beal definitely didn't do too well for himself in a really <laughs> deep Giants secondary when you have guys like Rodarius Williams who had, I would say, had an up and down kind of game. Better than the Jets game, but uh, still uh, somebody who could crack the roster even in a deep group as a rookie just because he's been having such a good camp. But Sam Beal, Ryan Anderson, both those guys are, are guys who did not impress me. And Alex Bachman on offense is another one group in there. So conversely, in terms of you know talking guys that didn't impress you, I, I want to say I, I found it very interesting that Quincy Wilson was playing a little bit more safety. He was listed as a safety here on the snap count chart that uh, you put together in this article, Chris. And he has the interception, but overall, like I, I thought that Quincy Wilson looked looked pretty good in that new role. Previously, he was drafted as a corner. He's a bigger corner, pretty good athlete, and maybe if we see this transition, he could find his way to, in being one of the back end defensive backs on this roster. Because like that's a pretty good performance in uh, this second preseason game for Quincy Wilson. Yeah. Now we do have to find out what happened with the Quincy Wilson's injury. He did what he did go down. He wound up being carted off the field. Uh, I have been just combing through the beat writers, especially after uh, Joe judge's press conference today. I have yet to see anything about injuries with respect to Wilson or rice and John or anybody, any of the giants who went down yesterday. So, you know, hopefully they are okay. Hopefully they're just, you know, little dings. But, you know, Wilson was, I think, a guy who surprised people. You know, we, I think we all knew to keep our eye on Carter Coughlin, you know, as he moves to inside linebacker, you flash those pass rushing chops again. You got the sack, uh, got some pressure. I thought he moved well enough in space, although he does need to, work on we'll say the finer points of coverage out there you know like maybe not tackling the tight end before the (laughs) ball gets there but uh, otherwise you know he moved well at one point he was it it was an overthrow by case keenum but at one point he was actually forced to go out to corner you know when the browns were working on their empty set and he did a pretty good job running with the running back down the field and into the end zone. Yeah, and Madre Harper was the other secondary piece who left the game with an injury. He's he's the one who gave up the uh, touchdown on that fourth down play on the first Browns drive. Th- that was just poor technique, not using what Jerome Henderson teaches, that using that uh, that that forward arm instead of that back arm. He went with the back arm, and then he has no point of contact on the receiver. Just bad technique there. And it was a really good throw and catch as well, so that's really hard to kind of compete against. But Carter Coughlin, Chris, you brought him up, man. Carter Coughlin, other than that one series where he allowed that one catch 
And then he actually kind of allowed another catch earlier on, I think, in that same series where it was like a tight end cross and he was a little bit slow to bite down on it. But other than that, he was carrying Demetric Felton, who's a really good athlete, wide receiver, running back hybrid type of player out of UCLA, a rookie down the field. He did a good job that he was he was just a versatile weapon. And he's I think he's more secured his roster spot now. I don't know if it's 100 percent, but I think he was somebody who I had the impression he was on the bubble just because of everybody that the Giants added. And then we see how he transitioned on linebacker and how yeah there are some warts but it definitely is um something that i feel a little bit more confident about and then i see what he can do out on the edge i think he's probably more closer to locking up a roster spot because of the versatility that he's going to provide to graham's defense yeah i i think he's definitely pushing Devonte downs and i would not be upset to see carter coughlin as the giants other starting inside linebacker next to blake martinez yeah neither, to- neither would i <laughs> I just want to throw out like a super broad point because like I'm just like taking like a like a full view of what we've talked about in today's episode. And we're throwing out so many names, I feel like, evaluating them all. And the crazy thing, a lot of these guys aren't gonna make the roster. It's it's so strange, and we talked about it a little bit on the the post-game reaction show that we didn't get any exposure to any starters in this game. And I know I led in talking about that, but this three-game preseason is so different than I think what we're used to. Usually it's it's more gradually working in the starters and getting them more and more prepared for the start of the season. But you know, here we are right now. We were assuming we'd see some of the starters. We don't get to see any of them. It's just it, I feel like it's harder to really get a true sense of who's actually going to make the roster and not. We can really key in on who's having good performances, but I, it's kind of hard to really get a true sense of like okay, this guy is going to fit in this role this guy's going to fit in that role I think we won't even really know after the the third preseason game until there's final cuts which you could argue that's a good effective job by the coaching staff to not expose what teams should expect during the regular season yeah I mean and it's something that is it speaks to the coaching of the Giants as well too Joe because we don't know exact the exact roles because a lot of these guys are versatile enough to execute a lot of different roles and wear a lot of different types of hats. And Patrick Graham, as we saw last year, he did a really good job kind of implementing a lot of these players in a variety of ways. Guys like Julian Love, who was drafted as a cornerback, moved to safety, played a little cornerback, played slot in 2019. He could do a lot of different things. We saw him early on in this game. He was in there for like a drive, maybe a drive and a half, had five tackles and then left. It was like you could tell he was a lot better than the players who were kind of uh, on the second team for the Browns and on the second team for the Giants. I just think a lot of these uh, defensive players the Giants have can, can do a lot of different things. And that's kind of what this coaching staff wanted out of guys like Julian Love, guys like Carter Coughlin, guys like Cam Brown, who, I mean, we might not even have to see him on defense because he provides so much value to the special teams. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that is kind of a, a, a skill that especially on defense, the Giants are looking for. And I think it's a really useful skill because we see offenses, especially some of the more modern offenses, being able to do so much out of really similar sets where you know they can run 10 different plays out of the basically exact same personnel grouping, the exact same formation. And it can be so hard for often, or for defenses rather, to know what's coming and with a lot of these hybrid players coming out now, it's so hard for defenses to match up. So the more you can do, the more you can do. 
So I think that's a good note to wrap up today's episode on. Folks, thank you for tuning in. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any more content. We've got the final preseason game against the New England Patriots. That is coming up this weekend on Sunday is when kickoff is. So as we did this past week, we'll do a preview episode. If there's any crazy roster moves, we'll also likely do a show just to recap some of those moves so you're fully aware of what happened, how things have changed. Not sure if that's going to happen again, but last week was a little bit crazier with, with a couple of those trades that happened. But you got to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of that. And then also head to BigBlueView.com so you can stay up to date on all of those moves as well as following us on social media at BigBlueView on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you, folks. That's going to be it from us. We'll